H-A-Dub-K, Hater Proof, Kylie, Robert Earl Davis, this is for you, baby. In the turning lane, six CD change, trunk full of bang like change in a swing. Smoking Mary Jane as I grip wood grain, it's kinda hard to explain why I'm so off the chain. Still banging screws, ride candy blue. I don't gang bang, so I ride red too. Ever since '92, I've been screwed up. Syrup in my cup and a strawberry crush. Sitting on buck or sitting on gray. D.E. to the A is the H-A-W-K. Still to this day, I'm still a screwhead. Even though screwhead, I'm still doing what he said. Reppin' S-U-C, reppin' P-A-T. Reppin' Mafio and Gator off by me. What screw did for me was real as can be. That's why the whole world must know his legacy. Blowing blueberry hay, screwing the 
Listening to Ink Studs, and my guest this week is William Cardini. His latest book is Vortex from uh, Spark Plug. Uh, it actually came out last fall, and I was just apologizing uh, before we got started because he sent me the book, and then it got lost in my piles of boxes of moving. And uh, it's something I've, someone I've been wanting to talk to. It's also a really fascinating book that I've wanted to chat about and get a chance to like really sit down and read with it because uh, I really like it. Um, as well as a new book that'll be out at SPX in a couple weeks called Sphere Fear from the fine boys at Yeah Dude Comics. Uh, I hope they're okay with me calling them boys. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just one boy. Okay. So, but I'd I, I be okay with it. Yeah. You'd probably, yeah! Yeah, yeah. dude! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, thank you for joining me today, William. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, William or Will? I want to call you Will. Go for it. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't want to be a jerk or presumptive. It just seems to flow well for me. Um, now, we were just talking a couple minutes ago, and it's actually a pen name you use. And so I'm kind of curious about that. Um, yeah, so um, I had a friend, or this friend of mine, he is a poet. Uh, and he had a pen name, Jack Cardini, and we collaborated a lot. And so we were doing a poetry performance rap thing, and we decided to be the Cardini brothers. And so he dubbed me William Cardini. And then um, that was probably right before I went to college. And then when I was in college, I just decided uh, to do a comic for the college newspaper. But for whatever reason... I wanted to keep it separate from me, so I signed that pen name, and then I just kept signing it to all my comics. Uh, for a while, I tried to have this thing where, like, the real me was a character being drawn by William Cardini. That didn't last long, though, but I think it helped. You know, I did uh, Thickness Number 3, and so it's kind of nice not to have to worry about, you know, doing things like that affecting my ability to get a day job. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, now, you went to, uh, University of Texas, was that right? Yes. Uh, yeah. and your stuff was in the Daily Texan, um, did you know about the the cartooning history there? Yeah, uh, I had, I was already familiar with Chris Ware, um, and I knew he'd been in that paper and gone to that school. I thought it was really cool. I didn't really work in the office too much, so I didn't get to, like, dig through their archives and see it. But just, you know, being aware of that um, made me want to try harder to put something weird and cool in there. 
Now, what were you taking in school there? I was an art major and an English major. So I did studio time. And then I like wrote about uh, poetry and uh, books and things like that. Uh, in my studio practice, I was actually doing mostly performance and video art. And uh, the comics was something I never did in class. And I just did it on my own free time and submitted it to the paper. Interesting. I, I just wouldn't connect you with doing um, kind of performance type things. What kind of stuff would it be? So uh, the Mizard, which is the main character of the Vortex and a character I've been reusing a lot, uh, kind of building a mythology around. He started as a character that I would do performances as, and I would dress up. I made this mask out of yarn. I wove it, and I had this whole costume. I had a friend who made me a felt jacket to reference Joseph Boy's. Oh, wow. So I do, like, video performances. They were strange rituals. I would try to have, like, glowing things and uh, weird chants, and I would try and bring my audience into the chants and just do like a slow ritual. Um, I was really into conceptual art in college. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what brought me into doing performance art. There was this professor there, Mike Smith, and uh, he, he's done a bunch of different stuff. He has this whole gig where he dresses up as a baby and like wanders around the street. And he uh, taught me a lot about doing performance art. And I don't know, it was, it was fun, but it just uh, was so ephemeral. And you don't have a lot of control when you're doing a performance. Yeah. And it was all low budget, you know, so I wanted to do bigger things like I had in my imagination. And uh, a friend of mine in our class actually brought in Kramer's Ergo number five, or Ergot. Yeah. And uh, I hadn't seen it before, and I'd never seen Matt Brickman before. And that I was like, oh, cool. I can do weird, arty stuff and also do genre. And that was the beginning of me getting more back into comics and taking it seriously as I'd been taking my performance art. So uh, was the Fluxus movement in particular one that had interest you within performance art? Yeah, I was into Fluxus. I was into earth art. I did this um, study abroad program between UT and the University of New Mexico. And we traveled around the Southwest for six weeks and lived off the land and made art out there. And there's this one artist, uh, Anna Mendieta, who would do these rituals in the landscape where she would use uh, blood and fire and things like that to kind of leave the imprint of her body. I was into things like that and just like thinking about materials and textures and shape. Shape definitely feeds into... Um shape and textures feeds into the work that you're doing with the comics. And I'm kind of interested in that background more. Um, very psychedelic in a way. Yeah, I think for me the psychedelia comes from reading a lot of Philip K. Dick mm -hmm. and Stanislaw Lem and Ursula K. Le Guin's Lathe of Heaven. And uh, just trying to take those ideas and also, you know, some concepts from Kirby and, you know, I'm interested in this like boundary between, you know, our world and this other world I'm creating and uh, just trying to really show people another universe and have it be weird and strange and grounded in those textures and patterns. So I can presume it's the kind of Kirby New Gods era. Yeah. Stuff. 
Yeah, and also, of course, uh, Jim Starlin and his Thanos and Captain Marvel comics. Did he get into his, like, really metaphysical... What was the the series? Oh, my God, Dreadstar? Yeah, you know, I've read uh, the Metamorphosis Odyssey, which is kind of the prologue. Yeah. But I haven't... I'm ashamed to say I haven't read Dreadstar. But Metamorphosis Odyssey is really cool because it's all fully painted. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually read that book but i mean even just the title of it, it i mean it's taking from like two pieces of classical literature right um i don't know i think he smoked a lot of weed and came up with a lot of ideas yeah <laughs> i don't know if you ever read the uh, uh marvel untold story i haven't it's uh the history of marvel comics and there's a lot of lsd going around both those guys in the 70s it's pretty interesting wasn't he hanging out with like Steve Englehart and dropping acid in New York City and just yeah. wandering around? Yep, no, exactly. Just going up and down Manhattan in the middle of the night, hanging out. Yeah, Steve Englehart has some cool books too. I'm um, really into his Silver Surfer run. I've been rereading that lately. And the guy who drew those, Marshall Rogers, he also did all his own colors. Oh, and- interesting. He has all these like nice fields that are, you know, like layering a screen tone across different colors and using shapes to show Silver Surfer's energy blast, but not drawing the shape, you know? Yeah. And that's something that uh, Frank Santoro really got me into, using volume as well as line to define shapes. Now, does that, are you looking at like original versions? Because I'm wondering if that is able to be transferred into the their crappy reprints that they do. Yeah, I have the originals. They haven't reproduced those issues, but there's a collection coming out in November. Okay. And I'm going to look at it because mine are pretty faded, like the ink's coming off. So I'd like to have it, you know, in a nice paperback on thick paper, but I I don't know. Uh, I have a Jack Kirby collection in a the similar series that marvel's doing and they did a pretty good job on the colors on that so i have hope i always get nervous with those things like the dc reprints of the kirby stuff worked out really nicely because they weren't trying to do anything modern but some of the marvel stuff they do just they like tug at my collar yeah it's gross yeah um so you're mentioning frankie santoro um you did the course with him yeah uh, back in 2011 you're in his first year of doing it i guess yeah, I was a guinea pig. <laughs> now, uh, how long were you out of school at that point? I graduated in 2006, okay. so it was five years later. I thought about going to the Center for Cartoon Studies. Uh, I had some friends in Austin who went, uh, Jen Vaughn and Jose Luis. Um, and they they liked it, but uh, I just you know never had the like money to do something like that. So Frank's class seemed like a good way to try and get, you know, work on my comics with a mentor without having to stop working at my day job. Yeah. What kind of uh, things did you get out of him uh, that helped your cartooning at that point? I think the thing I took, the thing I took the most from him was he had us compose on index cards mm-hmm. and then, you know, rearrange them, take them out before you even draw the panels. 
And so that way you can kind of see the whole story in front of you and you're not tied down to having this panel on this page. That's kind of like the Chester Brown technique. I'm not familiar with his process. He, he just does each panel separately. Nice. Yeah, there's a whole story called where he revisits a comic he did previously and shows him getting critiques from his friends on it and taking out panels and rearranging it and stuff or what works and what doesn't. Nice. Um, so how much, like, had you done a lot of comics by that point? Um, or were you still kind of flirting with it? I have always drawn comics. Uh, I made my first zine when I was in fourth grade. Oh, wow. It was about a superhero named Firewing, who is half pterodactyl, half human. And he had a flaming hand, of course. And uh, yeah, I kept drawing comics sporadically. But I don't think I took them seriously until around 2006, 2007, after I graduated and I didn't have the outlet of the college paper, I decided to start making some minis. And I was working on a series called Hyperbox and another one called Trash and um, a few other ones. But nothing that I really finished. Um, now, one of the things that kind of bugged me about the Franks thing is everyone, and, and I guess that's because you do it in the index cards, has to draw in that, like, was it eight panel grid format? Yeah, that's a lot of panels. I have never drawn a comic with that many panels before or since. Yeah, and your work, it's very much not dependent on panels. I mean, you kind of morph through panels... I guess in a way, or quite frequently do full page spreads. So that that didn't stick. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that didn't stick. But I do... I draw the grid first. Even if I'm going to do the spread, I'll draw the grid and use that as the basis for my composition. So I do like that idea of having this repeating grid. I think it could be really effective... And I don't, you know, sometimes I'll do a one-page comic that has crazier panel lines, but uh, usually, especially if I'm doing a longer story, I'll pick a grid at the beginning and then stick with that for the entire time. So Vortex, um, your longest work in um, a book with a spine, I guess, uh, was that something you were working up to through doing these mini-comics? Um, kind of exploring this character to develop it to that point? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I knew I wanted to do a long story, but I didn't know what it would be. And I knew I wanted to keep using the Mizard and developing him. Uh, it's He's not like, it's not like a whole world built with like rules and things that I have in my head. It's more just putting him in similar situations with but changing out the details and seeing how that affects things. So uh, I took, I definitely took elements from some of those earlier comics and used them in Vortex. Uh, I find I repeat themes in certain events a lot, like the Mizard losing an eye or getting chopped in half or descending into another inner world. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your uh, your wobbly line. 
Is that something I just, that's always been there? I think that uh, it started from drawing too much like Matt Brinkman. And I hope that I have turned it into my own thing. <laughs> but I'm not sure about that. And I'm a little insecure about it, but I also feel like it's become my signature and now I can't give it up. I've forgotten how to draw a straight line. Yeah. Well, it use a lot more tone than Brinkman ever would. <laughs> yeah, that's my thing, the tone. Um, the tone and the wobbly line. Um, you've got a, a Cardini comic. Yeah, exactly. Two and, main ingredients. And another influence I was wondering about um, is uh, Ron Rigi. Or if that was someone you'd been looking at and kind of had informed your work at all. I like his work a lot. Uh, I think it just wasn't, I could see, I can see his influence, but it definitely hasn't been something I consciously have thought about mm -hmm. in the same way that I thought about Kirby and Brinkman. You know, when I read their work, I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. I want to make something like this. Uh, I didn't, I like Ron Reggie's stuff a lot, but I didn't have that same thought. The same kind of jump at you. Right. Type thing. Now, uh, Vortex originally you did is for self-published issues. Um, did you have a particular story in mind from beginning to end? Um, or was it just something you were going to explore and see where it goes? Originally, when I drew the first issue, I was seriously considering just ending it there. Uh, I don't plot ahead. I don't outline. I don't write a script. I'll think maybe three or four pages in advance of the page I'm working on. But I find if I, if I write too much down about what I've got brewing in my head, it kind of kills it. It's like pinning the butterfly and then I'm just bored. I yeah. wrote an entire, I plotted out most of a graphic novel before I started working on Vortex and I started it and I was just so bored with it that I started drawing Vortex for fun. <laughs> and that's where it came from. That's awesome. <laughs> Tell me what the world of Vortex exists in. So this environment is what I've been developing throughout most of my comics since 2007. It's called the Hyperverse. It's a psychedelic space fantasy uh, environment where there's like ancient sorcerers, uh, unknown technologies. You know, it's definitely Star Wars, Kirby those kinds of things, I'm, I'm not taking the science fictional elements too seriously, trying to make them realistic. I just think it's fun to draw robots and spaceships and have wizards in space. Mm -hmm. uh, and which is a big theme is just violence and uh, people tearing each other apart. And also just this idea that, you know, what you think of as real isn't necessarily real and there's always another layer below and above you yeah is it kind of a space they can keep going then and you can just keep doing weird fucked up things within it i hope so in my head uh every comic takes place somewhere in the hyperverse and i want to just keep it going uh i don't know I'm working on a sec my second graphic novel now. It's called Skew, and it's being serialized on Study Group Comics. It's on hiatus right now while I finish the Kickstarter rewards for Vortex. 
mm-hmm. but that's also in the hyperverse and it has the Mizard and I'm trying to show some of the other uh, alien species that I've imagined, like the space yetis. And Skew uh, and some of the other new stuff you'd posted, I'm really excited by the coloring you're doing. Thank you. Um, and the blending you're doing with the colors. And I, I'm really, really, really into that. And I'm wondering kind of the background on that. So that idea came from um, reading Frank Santoro talking about coloring on Comics Comics Mag and how basically you have to think about it like a printmaker. So I started experimenting with layering colors in Photoshop, and I did do some screen prints. And it also comes from looking at risographs and you know how when the registration is off, the two colors overlap. And then you have that interesting space where the image becomes abstract and you can see the other parts through it. And so I'm just intentionally doing that. It's, I mean, it's, when it happens with Risso, isn't, I find it isn't as successful as folks hope it would be. (laughs) Because it's an accident. Yeah, well, accidents are great, though. Like, you can do accidents... Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just I find a lot of the, a lot of Russo stuff, especially even like thickness. It's so dependent on the colors having a function and it being really focused on line work. Maybe mm-hmm. that makes um, sense. Unless and and the stuff you're doing with skew isn't necessarily line work um, as much as it's kind of. I don't know how to describe it. Am I making sense? You are. Uh, I'm definitely thinking about blobs a yeah. lot. But I don't want to say it's blobby because, you know, I don't want to get attacked by Cyber Gang. <laughs> um, I just say less blobby and more just focused on structure and shapes. There you um, go. I like that. Less on, like, minutia details um, where... You know, like even in the thickness story that you did with uh, Shanti Collins, um, it was with him, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's that's very different from the rest of your stuff, where it's really based on objects in a room. Here's a person. There's a bug. You know, mm-hmm. there's a towel. Um, where it's not abstract. It's very um, figurative. Like it has. Each thing has a space and a role, and it exists. Where with what you're doing with the skew, it's these the way the coloring works. And this is where I'm really excited by it. Is um, these are all kind of objects coming together and creating new objects. I'm probably sounding incredibly pretentious. I'm okay with it. You know. <laughs> I, I figure you're pretentious if you don't know what you're talking about, right? So, you know, I'm okay with taking this stuff pretty seriously. Um, yeah, I definitely... Uh, it sounds like kind of my goal with drawing it that way is to just kind of let these shapes collide and see what comes from it. Um, and letting it be abstract and not trying to sweat it so much. I also... Uh, another reason I wanted to do it that way and focus more on shape is uh, a time thing. I started drawing this right after my daughter was born. 
and she would only sleep if me or my wife held her. So I didn't have a lot of studio time. So I could knock out like three skew pages in an hour, Yeah, you know, because I had the three color layers and I was just drawing them and not worrying too much about like one overlapping the other. So you would draw them like as separate layers into Photoshop um, and then just like plop them down and just see what happens. Yep. I, well, I draw it in uh, Manga Studio. Mm-hmm. And so I have a file and it has all the colors and it has them as different percentages. So I can see the whole image together, but I just don't, you know, I don't worry about the overlap. I let them overlap. Yeah. And so it's what comes from that. Right. But it is a surprise whenever I take it out of that. Uh, that black and white grayscale file and add the colors. I'm like, whoa, you know, I have a Photoshop action. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh man, check the, what did I make? <laughs> <laughs> Dude. It's so cool. <laughs> so do you find you want to focus on doing um, color stuff like that for a while? I'd like to. Yeah. So my worry with skew, I would like it to be a book. And, but I also like, I like working on the web because I don't have to worry about that and I can do full color, mm-hmm. but I just feel like there's less visibility in our comic scene with stuff that's only on the web, you know, and I'd like to have something physical that shows that I can trade with people or table with. At this point, it's so difficult to navigate how much stuff is out there. Um, and I think that's probably a positive of being on a site like study group because it's trying to generally you know shit's going to be good right if you go there they've done a good job curating so folks go check out study group comics if you haven't um but it's also interesting just to kind of the idea of letting the art go where it is and then worry about how you manufacture that afterwards yeah i definitely um at this point I'd be okay with not having it in print and just having it on the web. I mean, that's why I love putting stuff on the web and Tumblr. You know, you get the notes, you get <laughs> that satisfaction, and then you just move on to the next thing. But yeah. with, you know, a book, it's like, okay, I finished it in August of 2013. It came out November of 2014, and now, you know, I'm taking it to a show. There's just that whole delay there when I'm already working on something else. Well, and it's also the fact that you guys needed to Kickstarter – Right. To do it. I don't know what kind of uh, commitment of work that you had coming out of that, like sketching in books or drawings for folks. Yeah, I did some, I said I would do some drawings and some paintings, and I've done them all except for one painting for my very good friend, but he's being very patient, which I appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything in particular he requested? Yeah, he uh, has this whole crystal collage that he and his wife, she had a, um, one of her birthday parties was a crystal cave party. And so he made a photo collage of that and sent that to me and he wants me to do a painting of it. At least it goes with your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of daunting too. (laughs) It's fun though. And uh, in my new house, I have a basement for the first time. And so I go down in the basement and just, you know, hang out with the ghosts and paint. (laughs) uh sounds like quiet company (laughs) 
And so you're going to be at SPX in a week or so, uh, the 19th, 20th. Is it that, the weekend? Yeah. Yeah. Of September. Uh, and you're going to have a, a mini from Yeah Dude. I'm presuming it's a mini. They just do like little Risto minis, right? Yeah. It's the same printer that does Sacred Prism. Okay. I always get them all confused. It's just like all this. Are they in Philly or Pittsburgh? Philly. And Philly. Uh, Pat and Ian Harker have worked together a lot. So I can see why you there would just be overlap there. Um, but it's all good stuff. It's a lot of yeah. really good stuff. Um, they did Secret Prison together, right? Yeah. The, the big newspaper thing. Uh, so tell me about the mini that you have coming out. So it's called Sphere Fear. It's I chose orange and green, which is a color combo I haven't tried before. So I hope it turns out well. It's all it's sixteen. Uh, it's twelve full page drawings, and I came up with some new patterns. And I tried to use a photo, uh, photo pattern from some fur, and threw that in there. Oh wow! It's basically about this being who uh, hates planets and wants to destroy them all and turn them into different polygons. <laughs> so you're trying to do like the Kirby uh, photo collage? I have been, I've been reading um, some early Fantastic Four and Thor. Mm -hmm. and I was definitely inspired by those. That's some of my favorite stuff, stuff especially this, the ones he was doing in the 70s where he really yeah. would go fall all out there like I don't know. He's like this interesting guy where the most fascinating stuff he didn't get around to doing as much as the genre stuff. Yeah, he's a, he's a really interesting figure. And, uh, I, you know, finally too late probably investigating that whole Stanley Kirby dynamic and just, you know, getting angry about it. You know, <laughs> I'm sure people have been angry about that for a long time, but. <laughs> the worst part is when they get angry about it and they meet someone that's a Stanley fan. Yeah. And they think you're full of shit, and then there's that <laughs> anger, too. So, yeah. yeah. Sparks flying. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. Um, so Sphere Fear, you'll have an SPX, and you'll be there tabling with Spark Plug. With the yeah, Vortex. and I'll have all the Spark Plug books, also, and Vortex. Nice, nice. Well, thank you for joining us today, Will. Will Cardini, folks. Talking about his new book, Vortex, as well as Fear Fear, coming out from the Fine dudes at Yeah Dude Comics. Um, thank you so much, Will. Thanks, Robin.